There are ghosts everywhere. We carry them with us wherever we go. Hello, and welcome to 2C1C, a Game of Thrones living card game podcast founded in 2010 by myself, Will Lentz, Greg Atkinson, and Brad Zeiler. These days, my co-hosts may differ, but we're generally pulling from at least some familiar core voices. Many thanks go out to Fantasy Flight Games' George R. Martin, Card Game DB, and Josh Woodward for the CC licensed music you're hearing now. This is Season Speaking 5. Speaking of ghosts, hi Greg. Hello there. I thought it was appropriate. Pretty the Greg of Christmas past. I would like to, uh, you know, make it. I have been. I was on two segments of episode 200, and now I'm going to be on episode 201. So I don't. That sounds like a trend to me. That's, that's almost like being a regular again. He will not be on 202 because he offered to sell me one of his kids, and he's going to jail. Whoa, sell? I didn't hear anything about an exchange of monetary value. I thought it was like him being on the podcast was worth all that big money. Oh, yeah. He keeps cashing all those sweet podcast checks. Now that Zyler's not uh, gobbling up all the proceeds. Well, no one jumped on that at all, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was too dangerous. You guys are really slacking. Where's Daryl? That is a great question. That is a great question. Uh, he would have been all over it. <laughs> he needs to, to make a return. He is, as we all know, fan favorite. Well, but we have the queen of love and beauty. <laughs> well, yeah. we do. We when do. when we had that vote, when was that vote? Like two years ago, Will? Three yeah. years ago? We should do another vote. I think he'll still win. Almost certainly. <laughs> I I barely lost to him, I think. Yeah, I think you were in second place. And if I remember right, Zyler and I <laughs> tied for uh, last. <laughs> Which, it does surprise me, because when we ran across that review of our podcast about, I don't know, nine months ago or so, and someone's like, you know, oh, you know Greg awesome has... board game? Yeah, Gre- yeah, they're like, Greg has the occasional funny story, but man, he's really grating on me. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, but I don't really know why listeners want to listen to me. Will and Tyler have to be tied for last place because they have no discernible differences in their online personality. <laughs> uh, also true. Well, for what it's worth, this is Two Champs and a Chump, episode 201, back earlier than we expected because there's a chapter pack. I'm Will. I'm Aaron. Tommy. And I'm Greg. Sweet. Well, let's get rolling. This is House of Talons, which I think uh, it's been mentioned before to the uh, the astute listeners. May note, this is also the name of uh, the last set of the CCG. And here we are in the, uh, what, penultimate pack of the LCG 1.0. Sad. Was the yeah. CCG set crap? Uh, this set is not crap. Yeah, no. Wrong. It had some good stuff. In fact, uh, it had the card in it 
that was the inspiration for Greg's agenda, Knights of the Hollow Hill. Yes, it was the, the first iteration was a card, a card called the Eerie that essentially did the same thing. You, before the game even started, you searched through your deck, got the Eerie and just started with it in play. And I think that one actually gave you two gold and three influence. No, it was, it was three, three gold, gold and two, two influence. Yeah. And it was a five cost neutral location. You could start with it and any number of duplicates. I missed that card. Simply. Yeah, but it did get to the point where everyone was using it. Not everybody. I mean, you were just begging for a first turn, frozen solid, or uh, what was the Greyjoy uh, attachment that did the same thing for zero, blink to location? Was it like High Tide or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, High Tide. If you, if you hit either of those two houses, you were screwed. But still, I don't know. Let's, let's uh, kick it off, let's dig into these cards and see if we do find some goodies or not. Alright, first up, we've got Sir Parman Crane. I'll read him. He is, of course, a card we talked about very recently as a spoiler, so I don't know if we'll have a whole lot extra to add, but for listeners that missed the, uh, the preview before, he's a Baratheon unique, three costs, three strength, all three icons, Rainbow Guard and Knight. He's immune to events, and at the beginning of the dominance phase, stand each Rainbow Guard character you control. Um, I would like to chime in here and say I did not listen to our podcast where we reviewed his spoiler, and I have actually not gone to Card Game DB or Agot Cards to look at the list for this chapter pack. So every card we read is going to be news to me. And while you say that it feels like this last chapter pack cycle is going out with a whimper, the very first thing I think of when you read me this card is that is more efficient than just just about every other three-cost character for the first eight chapter pack cycles in the LCG era. (laughs) (laughs) They do pack a lot on him. I think it just feels like such a downer because the other Rainbow Guard have been overall pretty meh. I think Uh, I figured out how to use them. Okay. Uh, Knights of the the Realm agenda, obviously. You'd have to run three of the... uh, Bitter Bridge Encampment, Encampment, which we'll get to soon. Oh, yeah. And you want to run three Parman Crane. And, a, like, at least a bunch, all the other Rainbow Garden singles, maybe more. And then you open with Simone's Plot. Oh, yeah, there you go. That could be kind of fun. And then you can go into things like Fear and Blockade or First Snow and whatever and just be like, you can't really play anything. In the meantime, I've got all these standing knights that are just going to punch you in the face. And while I get card advantage for my knight's agenda. Yeah, for a, a turn. Well, no, well, but, for that turn, but if you play Blockade and Fear and stuff, like... Yeah, I mean, you, you could still still mess with them. Just the, the standing is probably slightly less of an upside, but I mean, it's still only upside. An up- yeah, it's only an upside turn one, sure. But, like, once you so, have that big advantage turn one, it should be easy to snowball it. But barring a deck built around him, and he's still a three-cost, three-strength Tricon that's immune to events? Yeah, and maybe has stands a good chance at nabbing you a power for dominance. Yeah. Uh, no negative traits like you uh, I mean there's no ally trait or anything. No, nope. uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty solid character. So I mean, why do I not up. love him. Name another Baratheon character that's a tricon that has strength equal to or greater than cost. Recent Renly. Knight of Flowers. Yeah. Knight of Flowers. I, I, I put him in that no, no same intrigue. round. Same realm as Knight of Flowers, even. No if way. Knight Wait. of Flowers is not a Tricon. No, Knight of Flowers is way better. Eh. Well, I mean, he does have the built-in renown. So, I mean, maybe, and, maybe no, Parman's no. like a B-minus, but... Yeah, well, which Knight of Flowers are we talking about? No Shadows. 
Yeah. Well, no shadows unless you, like, if you're playing Greyjoy, is like a beast. If you're playing certain houses or certain builds, that car- that card just owns. Like, it can win you games alone. Sir Parman Crane is never winning you a game because he exists. <laughs> Probably not. He's just really efficient. Yeah. That's really what he, that's really what I'm trying to say is he does something very few other Baratheon characters do, which give you a full icon spread at an efficient cost. And he is a knight with that intrigue icon, which is fairly rare. It's nice to be able to work that in. If they didn't destroy Knights of the Hollow Hill, I would really like him. So you could bleeds with him? Yeah, so you could bleeds with him. Yeah. Well, I I think I already kind of threw out there that I'm willing to give him a B- minus in the end. Anybody else got a rating? I think we agreed on that. Okay. I'm a, I'm a C plus, B minus, somewhere in that range. Greg? I think if it's a Brathian character that you consider playing one of the most Brathian decks, he's better than a B minus. But it's been so long since I've been on a chapter pack review, I forget what the standard is for different ratings. Okay, in a nutshell, and I probably should uh, have clarified this pre-review, uh, A is uh, in the Mira range. Granted, Mira is probably an A++, but... Oh, Daenerys... Know. Game changer. Yeah, Daenerys. Uh, B, generally in like the, the No Shadows, Knight of Flower realm, very strong, can change a game, but does have a potential uh, weakness. Um, C, just uh, pretty standard filler, reasonable for uh, certain decks that, that lean a particular direction, but not necessarily super impressive. D, might make the cut in, in a few decks. If you're uh, a bad player. Yeah, yeah, or a super specific theme or something. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, F, of course, is without his beard. All right, then I'm going to say at least a B, if not a B plus, just because I think most Baratheon decks will run at least one copy of him, just because of his efficiency. Well, and just for note, since uh, we brought this up, having Tricons within Baratheon that are equal cost and equal strength, the only character that is legitimate, I just looked this up, is the, the newest Renly, the prized one. He's three for three. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there are, are none. Our next one's Bitterbridge Encampment. It's a unique Baratheon location. Two cost. Uh, the trait is the Reach. Limited response after you play a knight character, Neil, Bitterbridge Encampment. Search your deck for another knight character, reveal it, and add it to your hand. Then shuffle your deck one, one re- limited response per round. It's very good. It's, it is worth noting, there has been a clarification, it appears, um, since we had previewed it. And evidently, the fact that it says another knight character means, an, like, different by title. So, no grabbing duplicates. But, uh, Tommy, you said that was two cost? Yep. Yeah. Uh, what, what other limited responses are ever played out of Brathy? <laughs> exactly. None. So it's essentially, as long as you have a handful of knights in your deck, I would say five or more, um, it's it's essentially just a two-cost draw card for you. Well, slightly better than draw, I think. I, I mean, I think you need a little more than five, more like seven or eight, but yeah. Cause that seems people, to be like run, people run at the gates for and run two maesters in a deck. Right. But that's a plot. You're on command. Yeah. It's a, it's different. Like, as if, you, if you've seen, like, three knights and you've got some crap left and then you play a knight, paying, you're paying two for that extra draw. I don't know. Siffy. I'm checking limited response in Barra. I think we yeah. did that last Martial week. Martial Law, I believe. Yeah, that's we the one that we said on the that. preview. And Promise of a Peach, maybe? 
Yeah. Yeah. Who's played that? Or offer of a feature or whatever. Offer, I think. Yeah. Yeah, But that's effectively no competition. And, yeah. Yeah. I I just, I I love what this does for it. The new Brienne is a limited response. Right, but who's honestly played her? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Edric Storm. I'd rather have this. Yeah. Okay, this is easily the choice in pretty much every deck. Right. I mean, and you know, Barrel already like kind of craves that additional card advantage. So, Knights of the Realm is is a popular thought for them, and I think this this hands them the victory in the night battle for sure here by providing even more card advantage. I think it's pretty friggin' sweet. The only concern is you can't go to heavy Shadow Knights if you're playing this, yeah. right? Um, I mean, well, you can't go too heavy Shadow Knights if it's your only knight source. Right. Um, I mean, you can still run multiple Shadow Knights as long as you, you know, likewise have multiple non-Shadows Knights. Yeah. And you can always use the non-Shadows to grab the Shadows. You'll, you'll just have to be very careful also to the order you play them in, I think. You know, in, in a way, this card is a lot like the Aloof and Apart Agenda, where, you know, the sweet spot for that agenda is you are playing one four cost or higher character per turn, you know, to trigger the agenda, but really you don't want to do more than that. Otherwise you flood the board with too many prized. And, you know, obviously with this being a limited response, you want to play one knight, go get a knight. You don't want to marshal at that turn. You marshal at the next turn, play it, go get another one and you just keep the chain going. Well, or you can grab a shadows knight and then, you know, get other things going too. Like this can become an engine for Preston draw or, uh, uh, what's that card? Um, location, can't kneel or stand. Black cells. Yep. Or black cells fuel or anything along those lines pretty easily too. Yeah, that's nice. So do you think you, you go House of Dreams or stick with Knights of the Realm and just run two copies or something else entirely? Two City of Shadows. <laughs> two and Knights of the Realm, I think. Yeah. That's, that's definitely what I'm leaning toward. If I'm running Knights of the Realm, I might even consider three. Depends how heavy Stark is in the meta. Yeah. Ratings? What's that? Yeah, Ratings? that's what I was going to say. I want to put put people on the spot. What rating do you give it? A minus. It's a game changer. I think I'll probably stick B plus, given that it doesn't work with the duplicates. It was so so good if it did that. Um, obviously, as as we said, I mean, if you're running a bear deck that has five or less knights, you're probably not going to run it. Uh, but in a house that does not have a lot of consistent card advantage, um, being Baratheon, or at least the card advantage they get, they've kind of got to go wonky ways for it. You know, this is a really big card for some of those decks. And, uh, you know, we've got a guy here locally, or at least from Arkansas, Brett, who likes to run Baratheon um, Noble Cause. And when he loses games, it's always for the same reason. He just peters out on card advantage. And a card like this would be huge for him. So I'm going to say B plus, just because there are going to be a few times you just will not run it in a Brathian deck. Man, I I honestly feel like the Bitterbridge Encampment is is a stronger card than uh, than Sir Parman Crane, and it I think it brings a lot to the table for Barra and a house that's starved for effects like this, even at this point in the game. And they have a lot of great knights to choose from. It doesn't specify that the knight has to be in house or anything. Uh, so I, I think it brings an amazing amount of flexibility to the table. So I think I'm willing to give it, 
Uh, A minus or A? Alright. Tommy, you're up. I just read that one. Oh, really? Damn it. I guess that makes it me. Yep. In Renly's name, zero cost attachment, house barra, condition. Attached to an opponent's character, response. After attached character is declared as an attacker against you, claim three power for your house. Thoughts? Like I started to say, overall, I, I think I would still choose Motley in Joust games if I want an effect like this. But in Melee, I think it's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a card like Marjorie that forces someone to be declared as a defender. Is there any cards in the game that forces someone to be declared as an attacker? No. Not that I can okay. think of. I mean, there's the occasional... I think there's a Greyjoy guy that, if he doesn't attack you, gets discarded. He dies, or... Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, he doesn't see play. Um, um, it seems solid. I've been someone that has played Motley from time to time, and as Will said, it's similar to Motley. You know, um, your opponent's going to have the option not to use him, but the fact that they can still use that character defensively is going to limit the upside of the card. Um... Sure, maybe you put it on a red viper or someone and it, you know, it's gonna change the game that way, but then there's gonna be a lot of times you just look at the board and you're like, you know what, there's really no one of huge value for me to put this on. Yeah, for most people it just guarantees their claim soak. But if your deck is built around one character, you're probably not winning much anyway. Good against Maesters. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Uh, you think so? It, I mean, the character can still kneel and trigger all its abilities, right? That just prevents them from attacking. Yeah, right. probably just better. But, I mean, but, if you can get a decent idea of what character they need to actually win the challenge, you know, because they have to really try to push those to get the chains. I don't know. Here's the way I kind of look at it. Outside of melee, what's the dream scenario? Like, what is your best possible play? Of this Eric, with, Eric with Sand Snake Veil. Right. <laughs> Definitely the best possible. Barrack, who you cannot and otherwise it, touch with any of your effects, and then every time he attacks, you get three power. <laughs> yep. And how often are you going to be able to make that optimal play? So, mm, to me, that says... Nev- never. Likely unplayable. Yeah. Yeah, but Outside Motley of should, All this card means is Motley should see more play. Motley is actually really good. It messes with people, something fierce. Especially, especially with, uh, like, Salad or even the slightest joke. All right, well, I'm going to give it like a D to D minus for the reason that we just mentioned that if I'm going to put a zero cost attachment, I'm probably choosing Motley. You know, and I'm not even sure it fits in a rush deck because your opponent will just, uh, I I don't know, I just don't see myself using it. Yeah, D sounds about right. Yeah, I think in in Joust that's probably correct. I'm willing to to give it like a C melee. Yeah, I was going to give it a C- with the melee caveat, but in Faust, I, just... I like the effect. Mm. It's a pretty effect. And I do think that that's fair in melee. It's a stronger card. Oh, yeah. It's a deal-making card, too. Like, hey, attack me with your character. I'll let it go unopposed. You get, you know, you oppose uh, me, so you get a power for that, and you get one for unopposed, and I get my three. You know, it's it, it can be a deal-making card. Yeah. So I will agree it gets at least uh, probably a letter um, a letter grade improvement for me uh, from Joust to Melee. Alright. On to Greyjoy then? Yep. Alright. Greg, do you have the cards pulled up or is it back around to me to read? No, I don't have them. I'm just responding as you guys read them out. Okay, no problem. I'll jump on it here. 
Looks like our first Greyjoy card is Iron Islands Reaver. It's non-unique, two cost, two strength, all three icons. It's a raider, and if an effect would discard one or more cards from an opponent's deck that has no cards remaining in it, that opponent must choose and discard one card at his or her command instead. Okay, so do we play a blank 2-2 Tricon? No. In Greyjoy. I want to say yes. Wait, it's a yeah. raider. It's, it's a raider. It's, it's, a raider not, deck. it's not 100% blank. If it's a raider deck, absolutely. But I don't think raider decks are good, and in the meantime, no. I, well, I, I mean, again, I'll make the point that out of Greyjoy right now, how many Tricons do you have that you play that have a, a strength equal to or greater than their cost? I mean, I don't play any Tricons in Greyjoy, but I don't think they need one. They're not big on Tricons, but they just got the that Raider, uh, what was that, two packs ago? The the 2-2 military intrigue with stealth. Uh, he gets discarded if he doesn't attack, so against Lanny, he's a lost card. Well, right. If they blew their, well, their kneel on him, like, I, it's a tempo hit that I'm willing to, to work around. I mean, I, he's military claim at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't Greyjoy, play King Euron at all? Rarely. The Raider boosting one? No, the... New one. The, the, no, oh, the Seastone Chair one. The one oh. that he's sitting... Oh, when your opponent draws cards you. when you attack. Your attack, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. I, I don't know. I like Again, I like the guy. I just think he's really efficient. And he, you know, completes an icon spread that is not very common out in Greyjoy. I mean, so. here's the important thing, though. We're not talking about that text box. And I think we all know we're not talking about it for a reason. It, so, it doesn't matter. I think Greyjoy has three really, really good two-cost characters. Carl the Maid, who this doesn't go in over, because Carl is just better. Um, Gran, who this doesn't go in over, because Gran is just better. And Raider. Raider. Raider from Orkwood, yeah. Or Orkma. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, or Wendemir. Or Wendemir. Or Murinmir. Yeah. Murinmir three or two? He's two. Uh, two. Yeah. Two. So, like, I don't like him more than any of those, and that's my two cost slots. And I'm certainly not taking away from, like, Boat Swins or Dampairs Drowned or Refugees, who are just better for setup. So, the spread is nice, but, like, where? Like, I'm not running 60-card decks just for a good spread. That's fair. Like, 68-card decks, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, Theon's two cost. Wex Spike. Right. Yep. A lot, a lot of those also all have intrigue icons that you're mentioning, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Like overall, intrigue is where Greyjoy needs the help, but like their intrigue icons are kind of glutted up at that two cost slot. Right. That was that whole uh, octagon winning deck that was running the conclave, right? It was that the intrigue was needed at the higher cost slots. Yeah. If this guy was a three for three tricon with the same ability, I think now it looks a lot tastier. I don't know. Three co- I, like Greyjoy. I'm not saying it's in for sure. I'm just saying it looks tastier. Yeah, Greyjoy just has so many damn efficient cards. Like Greyjoy's efficient character base is kind of silly. Well, which house does this make the cut in? Um, potentially Barra. I mean, are we just still talking about it as a blank vanilla card? Yeah. Yeah. Potentially yep. Barra. Potentially Stark. Stark would I not c- mind a two for two Tricon. I could see that in Stark for sure. Yeah. Barra, if it if it had a favorable trait in Barra like Knight, uh, that would be similar to, to Raider in, in Greyjoy, I think they'd love it. Well, and I don't think we should overlook that part because even if you don't intend to build a Raider deck, there you know, we have an increased number of, you know, synergistic Raider cards. 
And, you know, I, I don't think it's fair just to say, uh, if it's not a Raider deck, you know, I'm not going to run it because there are still cards that, you know, um, are, are helped by other Raiders. I mean, I recently put together a Greyjoy loop and a part deck that I don't, are they called Euron's Enforcers? The five cost guys? They are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was not, there was no intention in that deck of putting in other Raiders. I just like that guy. He's just really solid in the loop and a part deck. And having some two-cost Tricon Raiders would have made that guy really nutty. Yeah. You know, there are a couple other things I want to bring up about him. One is the art. Now, I haven't really been into the show Vikings, uh, but I watched the first couple episodes a couple years ago and dug it, and I see the previews all the time. Is it just me, or is this just literally a drawing of the main character from that show? I've never even heard of it. Really? Dang. I, I haven't watched the show. I've seen the commercials, though, well, and I see the comparison that you're you're seeing. I hear it's really good. The first couple episodes were, were pretty solid. It's it's History Channel's answer to Game of Thrones, basically. Hmm. Um, I have not watched the show, nor can I see the cards since I don't have them pulled up, so I'm just going to think of Alan Tudyk's pirate character in the movie Dodgeball. Not 100% <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there is one other thing that is worth talking about, and that is the fact that the text box exists, and for the listener's it benefit, we should talk about why it doesn't matter. And that is the fact that it doesn't win you the game. Uh, I mean, Mill's already so much work for, in the end, very little payoff, because, I mean, as Greg can attest... You can still lose the game after you've milled out your opponent's entire deck. I've now, done granted, that a couple times. Yeah. Now, granted, if Greg had the Iron Islands Reaver in, in play at the time, what do you what do you think? Having been in that spot, do you, do you think the Reaver would have would have sealed the deal for you? Does he clinch it fast enough? Um, I very much in the times I've lost when I decked someone. One of those two games, he would have absolutely won the game. The other one was close enough that it wouldn't have mattered. We're using Greyjoy for those, though. <laughs> um, oh. Yes. Oh, I thought you were a no, deck. No, one was Baratheon, uh, and, and that's the one that wouldn't matter. But the other one, oh, Aaron, this is so long ago. This was uh, 2009, and we had Jesus. what we called the classic tournaments where you could play with CCG cards. And so, I mean, I literally built a broken deck that was intended to <laughs> deck someone by the end of the first round successfully did it against rings and yet I still didn't beat him because he had multiple cannot be killed characters on the on the board. So in that game he would have been awesome because I would eventually whittled down those cannot be killed characters. Fair point. Alright, so rate him? Uh, would he go in a Baramil deck? Sorry. Out, out of house or Yeah that's for Greg I guess. Would he go out of house in a Baramil deck? I mean no I wouldn't play I wouldn't pay four for him in a Baramil deck, no. Alright. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, with my Bear Mill deck, the only game I lost when I milled someone was because I mistimed the Valor. He he saw it coming, he knelt, you know, he played out wit, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, even though I have him decked, he still has a board full of dudes, and he was also playing a Maester deck, so my Maester with his Lots of Chains really didn't give me any advantage over him with his Maester and Lots of Chains. He just happened to have several dragons out as well, so... That was Buzz, right? Yes, it was. I love Buzz. I think that game, if someone wants to find it online, they can. I believe the Team Covenant guys 
broadcast that game with Buzz. You should be able to find it. Yeah, the reason I remember it is I watched it. Oh, nice. So what rating does he actually get then? C minus. That's that seems pretty fair, I think. Still respects yeah. that the Tricon is reasonable. Uh but he's not going everywhere. Uh I'll give him a C plus. I think he's better than C minus. C minus is borderline D range for me. And I think he's gonna find his way into decks in the two slot. Um and I like I said, I think he has more synergy with um with Raiders, then we're giving it credit for, you know, instead of just giving him credit for the quote, quote, Raider decks. So I'm going to say C plus. Straight C. But C's aren't straight. (laughs) Yeah, that was terrible. Go ahead. Oh, my. I think that sends it to Tommy. Yep. Try and recover from that. Uh, It's (laughs) a kettle drum, one cost Greyjoy attachment. It is an item trait with setup. Greyjoy character only. Attached character gets plus one strength and gains intimidate. No thanks. If it was zero cost, I think I would love it. I yep. agree. That one strength intimidate is, is cool. <laughs> yeah, the plus one strength is pretty nice with the intimidate too. I just won an octagon game because someone didn't realize. Well, partially because someone didn't realize intimidate wouldn't let their other dudes count their strength. Ooh, gotcha. What's what's interesting to point out is there's another card in this pack that if this was not Greyjoy only, could make this card pretty cool. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Sure. Because this on Danny would be hilarious. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> oh man. Or Viper, really, like Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that it would that it would get pretty sick on. Maybe not a lot, but Several. Uh, the better cards in the game, as a general rule. Yeah. I'd, I'd be down with it on Cersei, too, for instance. On Brienne. Sure. Yep. On Super Stannis, on the Mad King, etc. No Shadows, Knight of Flowers. Yep. <laughs> but it's not. So it's in, it's in Greyjoy. I mean, so what are we throwing it on in Greyjoy? Asha is probably Asha's the, the first thought. Yeah. Um, that's really it, though, no? Like that you really, really want to see this on? If, you, if you're doing real silly, no standing stuff, the new Euron, I guess. Uh, Gran, if you're running uh, uh, naval escorts. Yeah. Is this enough to maybe try to push back towards some of the unopposed stuff? I mean, this plus a support of Harlaw probably ensures you anything you want unopposed, right? I mean, if you don't run into great, if you don't run into Targ. Yeah. I. You know, this card is really a better melee card, where Greyjoy Unopposed is a more viable strategy. Right. Yeah, I could see that. And I'm still not sure I'd put it in a Greyjoy Unopposed melee deck, but at least I might consider it there for the reasons you mentioned, putting it on Asha or running it with Support of Harlaw and some other renowned characters. All right. Well, what kind of rating do we give it then? D plus. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say D to D minus for Joust, but a D plus may, eh, probably D plus for Melee. Yeah, I was including the D plus, the <laughs> Melee for the D plus. I'm willing to make it an even D. Though it's, it's worth thinking about, uh, dropping it on good old All House Jackin and almost building him back into, uh, the original version that caused so much heck. 
Yeah, that makes it even worse in my book, because then when Varys discards him, it's, <laughs> it's a two-for-one, so I'm going to give it a D. Well, you'd need Windermere at that point, right? That's your saving grace. That's why it's in Greyjoy, or at least part of it. I guess. I mean, at the gates has never been the worst play in the history of the game. <laughs> right. Ever. Yep. Alright, that's you, right, Aaron? Yep. Reborn from the Sea is a Greyjoy event, obviously Greyjoy only, otherwise it's not a Greyjoy event. Response, after you win dominance, choose a non-army Greyjoy character, dead pile, and put it into play. Oh, I want to like it. It seems really cool until you realize that Risen from the Sea is just probably better. Yeah. And you only have so many spots because Cancel is also better. Yeah, the Cancel and the fact that I have to sit on this all the way through dominance really, really eats at me. And you have to win dominance. I mean, that's neither here nor there. And in Greyjoy, I mean, you get a cog out, you're probably winning dominance for the rest of the game. But you have I to think specifically so, build four cogs at that point. I, I mean, I'm like not running cogs in Greyjoy. I don't run in them anything that's not running boats. Wait, so remind me of what the conditions are. You have to win initiative or dominance? Dominance. Dominance. Yeah. And that's when it, so it's a response to any dominance. Right. And then you put yeah. it back into play. You know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, to this day, I'd still say 50% of my Greyjoy decks are winner decks. And the fact is, it can't get back a Marauders, because it's an army character. Right. That's true. And so, I I actually agree with Aaron that, you know, just Risen from the Sea, you know, it, it just feels stronger. It, the one nice thing I was going to point out, I like Risen from the Sea better as well. But the one nice thing about this is you don't have to have it in hand at the time the guy dies. Right. Yeah. It could be three turns later for all that matters. Yep. But bringing right. someone but back in dominance, you know, that's that's a pretty weak effect. Yeah. Because now you've got to make it all the way back to the next challenge phase to get any use out of it. Unless you're playing epics. <laughs> or newly made lord, which would be actually funny. Right. Newly made lord right back in. Bye. Uh, does he get back, so he gets back any Greyjoy non-army, or just a non-army character? Greyjoy non-army. Yeah. Greyjoy non-army. No fun shenanigans. Yeah. I'm pretty mad about this. I think Greyjoy has way too many other ways to keep their guys alive to worry about bringing someone back. Yep. D minus. Uh, yeah. Okay, no, solid D, because in an earlier point of the game, this wouldn't be terrible. Oh, yeah, if this was a few years ago, it might be pretty fun. But with enough cancel floating around on top of the conditions, I'm not I'm not digging it. And this is from a guy who is a, is a wholehearted Shaga and, and loves recursion and stuff, but uh, it's it just doesn't quite get there for even those sort of jobs. So, yeah, D. I think I'd give it a D plus just on the off chance that you're doing some sort of deck where you want one specific character and it allows you no matter when they die to get them back. But that's really the only time I would ever see wanting in this card over Risen. Would you ever run it? I don't even think so. Would it be like a one of in a black sales if you can go get it when you wanted it? I still don't think so. But that makes I don't it know. In a black sales, maybe. I guess actually for, that's uh, Dark Wings. That's the best use for it, Aaron, because, you know, you're going to go get that card after you win your naval challenge, put it on top of your hold, and then you get it during dominance. So, I mean, you, yeah. you get to plan out that whole challenge phase knowing 
I just need to win one naval, win dominance, and now I'm getting back whatever key unique it is that you need to get back. Except that time when it's not in your hold, and round six, you're top decking because it's Greyjoy, and you just need a dude or a naval icon, and that's what you saw, and you cry a little bit. I mean, that's why I wouldn't put it in that deck, but I think that's the best home for it. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to say it's the... a better... Dark Wings isn't a better home? Yeah, I could see that. I could I could run one in Dark Wings. I mean, you I, think I, I think I run Meiji Crone in Dark Wings, so like I might as well run this too, right? Not Meiji Crone, Meiji's yeah. Promise. Right. All right, Will. All right, kicks us over to Lanny. All right, we've got the Milk Snakes... It's a unique Lannister character, four cost, three strength, military and power icons, it's a clansman and an army, has no attachments except weapon, stealth, and as a response, after you win a challenge in which Milk Snakes participated, choose a clansman card in your discard pile and return it to your hand. I think this is pretty sweet. This uh, this definitely adds a, a very, very uh, needed piece to a lot of the the clansman stuff that's kind of been borderline. There's been a few of those effects that I kind of like where you have to toss stuff out of your hand, but I've never really liked just keeping that up turn after turn, and this helps. So does this go in the Aloofin apart? Yes. Yeah. I mean, at a bare minimum, he's getting back refugees that got discarded because you didn't have any gold left around. And he's, he's also nice aftermath protection. He can also uh, grab dupes of himself that you after you discarded them to save him. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think he's. Press. I think he's. Re- you said he has stealth too, correct? Right. Yep, and yeah. no attachments, but weapon. Both are positive. Yeah, definitely. I think plays in the Lanny aloof and apart. Um, I mean, he's now. An army. I, what's that? He's an army, so all that army tech helps. Oh yeah. Actually, work. he he fits in my version of aloof and apart really really well because I'm running. Yeah, three copies of the stand and army and in-house army location. Yeah. Yeah. In that deck, I he's not a limited response, right? I can trigger nope. him more than one time? Right. Correct. Yeah. And he bypasses the draw cap? It's, yes, sir. Yeah, now, I mean, obviously we're talking about a very specific deck here, and the honest truth is, in pretty much any other deck, you're quite possibly not running him. At four costs for three, I think that's a fair... I mean, a lot of the uh, Lanny Dark Wings is running quite a few clansmen, so he might be a one of in there just to grab some back. Nowadays, other than the refugees, what clansmen do you see most often in the Lanny deck? Uh, Chella, and I think Shaga was the one that was being played in the Lanny Wings. Anyone remember that? Yep, yep, that's right. Okay. Now, are they not using the um, the Moon the Moon Brother Harriers? I they, they weren't it wasn't out yet, but I think they should oh, be. Pain That's of, a really pain good of card. Dogs for sure. Yeah, you I'm a big yeah. oh, yeah. dogs and a lot of stuff. Pain of Dogs is a good card. It is. God, I may put this deck back together. This sounds <laughs> fun. Yeah, yeah. I I really like this card, but I like it because I have a specific deck it fits in. But if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to have to say it's really more like a C. You know, because it's just not going to find its way into a lot of other Lanny decks. C might even be generous, and because of you know, because of the deck I have. See, I think that makes it a B minus. I think like that good in one T one deck is a, is worth a big boost. I I think I would agree with that as well. The 
when when it fits so well into a deck that that's way up there and brings a lot to the table for that deck i i feel like that that puts it in in that kind of b definition still where something is really good but has a weakness uh that could be exploited in this case it's that it's skewed hard toward this particular deck type but in that deck type it's awesome yeah i mean like Streetwave damn near broke the game for a little while, but only in, like, specifically with certain other cards, right? So that would still be a B-range card, so I think this fits in that sort of realm. Yeah, I dig it overall. Um, quick question. It gets you back a Klansman character or a Klansman card? What is it? How does it actually read again? A Klansman card, actually. Yeah. Uh, how many, how many cards are there with the Klansman trait that are not characters? Easy enough to check. Oh, great question. Clans man, right? Not clans men. Right. Clans man. Traits, Lannister, search. Uh, wow, I don't think any. Well, that's a bummer. Uh, Maybe that um, means some are coming. Yeah. Well, there's the only one, one pack, pack left. left. Right. <laughs> so, unless I'm missing something, it looks like none, unfortunately. Man. You didn't, you didn't have character toggled in your search, did you? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Card Game DB, so it's possible I'm doing something wrong. No, you're right. There, there's nothing uh, that is non-character with that trait. That's it's disappointing. That is disappointing. Yeah. That would have been very. I was hoping for a Tyrion thug. Would have been nice. Yeah, if they didn't plan that far in advance. <laughs> right. All right, next card. Oh, yep. who is it? Tommy. Yay. It's sign of the Red Hand. It's a unique Lannister attachment for one cost. Trait is Decree. Attached to your house card, if you have, if you are not running an agenda, sign of the Red Hand get gains increase your draw cap by one, and it is also plus one income. I will never, ever run this. I think Wait, it's one per it no One cost, one you don't cost think unique attachment. You don't think it's worth one copy in Lanny No Agenda? No, I'd pretty much rather have a weaponsmith or a moneylender every time. Uh, I feel like it's worth the copy. If if yeah. it had setup, I'd agree. Oh yeah, definitely if it had setup. setup I'd run more than yeah. one if it had setup. But with but without setup, that means you're giving up an event or attachment slot. So tell me what event or attachment you're cutting. This is how I get yelled at about building decks all the time. <laughs> so like they'll be like, "What are you cutting?" And I'm like, "But I like the card." And then I cry. Just. Just one, I feel like I could, I could trim. So you're cutting Harry? Something. Eh, probably not a Harry. Well, get hold out on, of here. Before, no, no enslaved. Before we cut a card, let's ask ourselves the question, what is the true boon that this card gives you? It gives you the increase in draw cap. So you have to ask yourself, do you have a deck that's even going to take advantage of that to begin with? Because otherwise, it's just a one-cost card that gives you one goal a turn, and there are more efficient ways to do that out of Lannister, as Aaron said. So... Really, what we're arguing about here is what is the value to the increase in draw cap? So what's the value in increasing from three to four is the real question then, because it's diminishing returns, right? Is it? Supposedly, every extra card you get is slightly less valuable than the first. Hmm. But still more valuable than not having had it. Sure. So then we'd have to work out a formula on exactly how much one card is worth. Well, but then, and how often you're hitting that draw cap? Like, right. are you getting all three golden tooth mines, the mander, and or all three golden tooth mines and mandin or Tomen out at the same time? Eh, 
Not always that exact uh, setup, but Lanny's got enough of those and other odds and ends that they get run in decks here and there. You got Slint. I still occasionally see a couple copies of the pump event that escapes me now just to mess with oh, people. Devious Intentions? Uh, no, no, no. That's the no. attachment. Right. Um, um, insidious Ways. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, I mean, I feel like if you're thinking about running this, it, it frees you up to mess with some of that stuff a little more. Uh, or heck, if you wanted to run cash as you're restricted, I, I feel like you probably run more than just one sign of the red hand. Um, again, the previous card I referenced, you know, the Lanny Aloofin apart I've been running lately, it would not work in that deck. That deck I, I mean, do not it, hit. It, 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 it's 100% only no would not, Greg. It's only <laughs> okay. no agenda. No, I mean, but the argument is, is that particular deck that I was running, I did not hit draw cap, and I was running Lanny. And I was generally seeing one or two extra cards a turn. Once in a blue moon, I might hit draw cap. If this card gave you a card every turn, sure, you know, it's, then it's a five, or it's an A, everyone runs it in every Lanny deck that's no agenda, right? But it gives you the opportunity to do it. So you, you have to have, the draw engines, multiple, you know, plural, in place for this card to even give you the boon, you know, that it's supposed to give you. I just, I, I, you know, at first I wanted to disagree with Aaron, but the more I think about it, the more I completely agree with him that I just don't see myself running this card in Lannister decks. Uh-oh. We lost Tommy, I think. What? No. Well, I mean, We lost Aaron. Yeah. Good, because I didn't want him to hear that I actually agreed with him. All right, there we go. <laughs> He's back. I'm back. Sorry. Hello? Yeah. Sorry. You about that. Now? Wait, you agreed with me? Haha, ha, I win. So yeah. here, here's the thing that I think about the most when I first saw this card, is that Ashmark Knight kind of synergizes pretty well. Oh, yes. And you can get ridiculous. Oh, man. That guy. I can't believe I didn't think of Ashmark Knight. I, if I had like a dollar for every time I was just digging for a particular answer card using him and needed to yep. get just that little bit further, yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, but my estimation just went up. Yeah, but <laughs> I was say, Tommy, you just raised Will's grade by at least a letter and a half. <laughs> but right. in Clansman, aren't you running an agenda? I don't know. I've been fooling around with no agenda for my Clansman yeah, build. I did that for a while, and ended up, like, at the end of the day, just being like, eh, I'd rather my clansman stand. I mean, it, maybe maybe this doesn't just drop in to an empty slot in an existing build. Maybe it is worth looking at, at a, a different style of no agenda there for clansmen or something. It definitely has me intrigued, uh, I would say, which is more than some other cards. And plus, it, it goes on your house card, and it's unique, so odds of it being removed are low. The, it's pretty much what uh, prized Viserys or um, uh, what's the Targa plot? Man King's Legacy? Yeah, which I don't see often, but there's a slight chance it's floating around. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Wait, doesn't Lost Message still get it? Lost it, Message gets it. It does. Uh, I'm not really seeing Lost Message, though. I mean, Mi Mira drops it off, so does uh, Afroso. Yeah, but Mira answers nearly any card in the game, so I've just quit worrying about her as my deciding factor. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Did Aaron just refer to Frozen Solid as, as Afroso? 
Yes, I did. I was going like, to ignore that. Yeah. Like, that's the name of a popsicle when the ice cream truck comes by, not the name of a card in the Thrones. And it's the name of a Stark card that's in every Stark deck. It's amazing. Such <laughs> utility. The English language is beautiful. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're butchering the English language, and it is not beautiful. It's a living language. It's like the first time I was around Will, and all of a sudden we're talking, and he kind of does this pseudo laugh, and he goes, lol. I said, what? <laughs> lol. I okay, said, I don't know what worse. you're saying right now. Lol. L-O-L. I'm like, wait, you turned it into a word? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, I like lol better than froso. <laughs> I like froso because it makes me think of delicious frozen yogurt. It it does do that. It's come back around. When you can turn the abbreviations for other words back into words on their own, English has come full circle. It's what it's built on. All right, so what are we giving this card? D. I, as much as I like it, it is really hard for me to actually rate right now. Um... Because it it is at best very specific, but I think it has some potential. I I guess I'm probably going to go with C in the end, uh, but with the the caveat that that could go up or down a full letter grade after some testing. That's what I was going to give it as a C. I want to play around with it and see what I can do. Yeah. Uh, before I grade it, I have one more quick question: Is it House Lannister only? Nope. Nope. Okay, I'm still giving it a D, but would all it would also be fun in a bear deck with uh, the Laughing Storm and Valjure. <laughs> that would actually <laughs> I mean, be very fun f- for three gold, though. Well, yeah. we can't have everything. Conquest. <laughs> no conquest. Nope. It's only no agenda. Nope. Yeah, all, all the right. cool ideas for it have an agenda. Pretty much true. In Maesters, this would be really cool too. Maybe you just build a deck and play all of the uh, decrees together. How would that work? Bad. Yes. You do that. Let me know how it is. <laughs> no, that is true. It would be- There's like a month left in this game. I'm not spending time on that. All right. Well, does Zach go ahead and kick us over to the next card? Yeah. Yeah, it's Aaron. Yep. Dereya Sand, unique, one-cost Martell character. Uh, One strength, intrigue icon, Sand Snake Bastard. Response. After a Sand Snake character you control is killed, Dereya Sand claims one power. Limit three times per phase. You know what this card made me do? What's that? It made me look up the old Dorea. Exactly. The old, the old Dorea is awesome, and I don't know why yep. she's not in my Quentin deck. That, that's the tough thing, is the old one is, like, the best of the old batch of Sand Snakes. So, this isn't great. You know, if this was replacing, I don't know, Obara, uh, then I could probably get behind so then it. So would it. be the third version of Obara? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would be sad, but, like, this, then she wouldn't be up against comparatively stiff competition. So, the other Duray is the same cost, military instead of intrigue, and the response is, instead of the power claim, after you lose a challenge, your characters no longer kneel to attack. Yep, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah that's gotta go in my Quentin decks. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. Sorry, did you specify just now that it was your Sand Snake characters don't kneel to attack? Oh, is it only Sand Snakes? Okay. It's just, it's only Sand Snakes, but okay, I mean, we, sorry, we've, sorry. we've got enough of the, the mid-range ones yeah. now that I think that are good without the whole Sand Snake package that I'd be okay running a copy of her in Quentin. I mean, it's we're very close. Well, that's a very specific Quentin, but I think I don't think that Quentin is bad as long as you don't go completely nuts with the Sand Snakes. Right. Don't count on them. Nice yeah. if they come up together, but don't count on them to do it. Agreed. Right. So then, this Daria, I mean... 
it's cool. It's, I mean, arguably, eh, maybe not arguably, probably just straight up worse than Corset Joffrey, who's okay. So I live in New York, York, and you know what that means? You know what living in New York means? Threat from the North. Yeah. The second I play this fucking card, Dan and Dave laugh, play Threat, and then I wasted time. Yeah, you just have to hope like I can't you rely on power snag the, the last one or two power to, to win the game. You can't use her as an engine. Yeah. I mean, really, like, they incinerate her with any old thing, or, like, it's not, yeah. Yeah. D-minus? D-minus. Uh, uh, well, you ever going to play yeah. it? I, I want to give her better, but I, I can't. No, if even if I want to fiddle with the Sand Snake theme deck, I'm choosing the other Daria for sure. Every time. Yeah, so she's she's probably a, a, a D. I agree. All right, bring it back around to three. Did I just get lost again? Oh. Hello? Hello? Can anybody sorry, hear me right now? Again. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. I can hear you, sorry. Okay. Alright, still in Martell, we have Water Garden Sentry. It's another one drop, two strength, and zero icons. It's a conscriptor, which is a trait we see a ton of, and it has a challenges ability. Kneel Water Garden Sentry to have it participate in the current challenge as a defender. If you win the challenge, return Water Garden Sentry to your hand. It's interesting. I kind of it, like it on setup. It's a bloodthirst card. Yeah, yeah. Or melee. You could you could really muck with uh things in, in melee since you won't count as winner if uh you are not participating. Sure. You personally, though Water Garden Sentry could, uh to mess with some other challenges. Now, debatable whether that gets you anywhere since he only does it on defense, but maybe. I kinda of like I like the idea of him with uh House Dane Spearman. Like, where they're your two guys on the board, they try and military with one three-strength guy, you defend for four, they win whatever challenge they want next, then you take away icons and you're set. This guy's in hand, and you know? You get some draw. He's, I think he has a home in, like, Lauren's deck. Does he bring a lot to that table? Like, as far as, if we're looking back the, the, what was it, Milk Brothers just now? Um, that brings a lot. Snakes. Milk Snakes, sorry, yeah. That brings a lot to a specific deck. Does the Water Garden Sentry bring, like, a lot to it, or is it just kind of okay? It's a tool, but I'm not sure if I'm super impressed with it. It's an okay tool. I mean... I don't like it. It's If you're playing Bloodthirst, I can see why you wouldn't want to give up that many unopposed. Yeah, that makes sense. I've only had an icon, so you had the option of attacking with it. You know it would be cool if you had a Vengeful. <laughs> okay, I would also take being able to defend multiple challenges. That would be pretty sweet. And then if he wins one, he goes away. That'd be really, really fun. But as is, no. Yeah, Vengeful would make him real interesting. Yeah. But why would he have interesting cards at the end of the game? D. Any thoughts on him, Greg? Nah, he bores me. D for me, too. Uh, boy, I hate it when we all agree so much. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just doesn't really wow me. You know, the slight part of me wants to try him and try and bring back good old Stonewall Martell, but he's not even a Tully's, so I would rather save those type of slots for events or something. So, D. Alright, next up. Yep. Right, alright. That's the uh, House Tully Footman, so one cost Stark character. House Tully trait, 
but the text, if you control a unique House Tully character, House Tully Footman does not kneel to defend. Now here's how we bring back Stonewall Martell. <laughs> or, you know, start defense, one of the two. Wait, what's his strength and icons? Uh, I'm sorry, it's one strength, military, and power. Yeah. As puny as puny can be, but being able to just sit there and defend without kneeling, I mean, if nothing else, knocking out a bunch of unopposed stuff is very useful, I think. Well, he's pretty much going to be your first claim soak, though. Well, yeah, one, probably. One for um, a Vicon is cool, too. I mean... Tully doesn't really have anything else that does that. I mean, it's got the recruiter, but ew. Yeah. And, no, I, uh, I like the Hoster. recruiter still, but I mean... And Hoster. Uh, icons are good. Traits, good. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Grell, was it? Could uh, give him some deadly on attack. Pretty versatile for the cost. Yeah. Some mediocre weenie for a straight um, Tully Obviously, deck. in a Tully deck where you're doing your Tully synergies, you'll run three. Um, in a non-Tully deck, you know, the funny thing is, the, the one spot, there's several quality ones in Stark. Uh, Hodor and Shaggy Dog and, and Jane Westerling. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure you would run it outside of a Tully deck. Yeah, I don't think you would either, especially because his ability just triggers off of, I mean, he's, he's just a blank vanilla without the other Tullys and, Unlike some of the other ones we were talking about earlier, he's not even that Tricon. If he were a Tricon, Stark would love it at that cost. If he were a Tricon, he'd be OP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, with that particular defensive ability, it would be pretty pretty good. Yeah, that'd be too much. As is, I am certainly okay with him in Tully decks. Yeah, i give him a C. Mm. Yeah, Can't I mean, I'll say a C. You can never complain about... You know, weenie characters with multiple icons. Um, but again, because Stark already has a large quantity of low cost characters that, you know, meet that range of the cost curve, you know, I just don't think you'll play them outside of Teledex. Yeah. I think C minus. Very good for that one specific. Well, very okay for that yes. one specific. That, that's the catch. He, he is nice for that one specific deck, but doesn't bring a ton to it like some of the other cards. So yeah, he's, he's, I think, probably just a solid C. So you know what's funny to me is that we just reviewed the Clan Scout two weeks ago or whatever it was, and right. that was a one for one Vicon with the same in-house good trait, and we couldn't get off that guy. I think probably because Lanny doesn't have a lot. Yeah, doesn't have a lot of multiple icon one drop. I don't disagree with you, but when this guy's turned on, he's obviously a better card than that guy. Yes, and it's not like there aren't unique uh, Tullys that are going to be played. Right. See, but don't Clansmen Klansman decks want more Clansmen? And I mean, well, no Tullys no, don't want more Tullys. Yeah, but Tully. I mean, not really. Tully decks are. I mean, for their two search effects, yes. But besides that, Tully decks are running, like, they're not running the stupid claim power for not losing any challenge thing anymore, so... They've got three search effects. Three? What's yeah. the third? They've got uh, the plot, the event... Family Duty Honor. Yeah. Oh, the event. I forgot about the event. Yeah, Blackfish yep. is cunning or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't Guile? think they're... Guile, yeah. I don't think they're mostly running the event, honestly. Uh, I mean, but I mean, it, at this point, you could probably really round out the whole curve with exclusively Tullys. T- tell you what, you want to make it, you want to make it an a, uh, 
a B plus card, give it the knight trait. Literally, that's it. Oh sure. Oh yeah. Like because Tully wants to be knights, right? Uh, they do like it quite a bit. Yeah. You know what's not worth overlooking is that he will contribute to Vimin. Yeah. Yeah. You throw him in a challenge, and I mean he's the he's the engine for those Tully decks that are good. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't think he's the difference between winning and losing most challenges. I don't think it's um, the difference I will say between this. losing challenges. Um, you know, there's there's Stark decks running around that use that event, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. It's limited response, and you kill any number of characters whose strength are greater than Reaching their the cost. And one way to ensure you kill a lot of characters is to run King's Pavilion. And if you run King's Pavilion... Oh, no, we lost that. Hello? Greg, we lost you for a sec. Yeah. Hello? Yep. Hello? Greg, can you hear us at all? I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear either of the other guys? They were just saying hello multiple times. Yeah, I could hear them too. Okay. Would you just start the King's Pavilion thought over? Yeah, I was just saying that there's a couple Stark decks out there that run that event, um, and I forget what it's called. The limited response event that after you win a military, you kill any number of characters whose strength is greater than cost. And there's, and there's also the Rob Stark that does the same thing. And one way you can help ensure that there are multiple characters for you to kill with that one event is to run King's Pavilion. And this guy actually works very well in conjunction with King's Pavilion. When they're attacking you, he's now a one for four. That's pretty great. Yeah? You're the Shaga King. <laughs> okay. Well, moving right along then. Okay. Uh, Winterfell Heart Tree. Can't believe I'm reading this. Um, zero <laughs> cost, non unique, limited location. Marshally, Neil Winterfell Heart Tree to reduce the cost of the next Stark character you play by this phase by one. I'm staring at that art, Greg. Is that literally the same art that they used in the CCG? Did we just get a straight reprint? Um, again, I don't know because I'm not <laughs> looking at the card. Oh, yeah. Forgot about but that. But for the Will sake of this argument, because I am. you said you want us to disagree more, I'm going to say, no, it's not. No, actually, <laughs> actually, it really is. I'm, I'm ah. it up right now. Uh, but yeah, it's just a straight-up uh, reprint of the CCG-era Winterfell Heart Tree. Way to which, tell us you don't give a shit, FFG. Yeah. Very weird for two houses randomly to get two new reducers like this. Yeah, um, I think, God, I think it was actually Tagore's point on the other podcast. This is really good because Bear Island exists. Yes. Yeah. Big tool for them. Oh my God, does that mean that they gave Greyjoy a reducer for Pike? Were they trying to push Pike House of Dreams decks? I don't even remember what Pike does. (laughs) You you don't want to know. Well, I'm looking it up, so. <laughs> uh, Old school. Is it Pike or was it Ten Towers Battlements? Or oh, no, maybe it was Ten Towers, sorry. Yeah, it's definitely not Pike. Pike is the move the power five to cost, it. Yeah, towers, sorry, right? it's Ten Towers. Yeah, five cost, unique, House Greyjoy only. While you control only Greyjoy characters and locations, you may play the top card of the opponent's discard pile as though when you're in your hand. Limit once per round. So immediately once you use this. It's really terrible. It turns itself off. If it just didn't have that, that would probably really push some kind of interesting mill decks, but that's neither here nor there. 
But you don't have to pay. You still have to pay the gold penalty. Right. That's actively terrible. <laughs> well, let's let's just <laughs> like get, that card let's is, just quit talking about ten dollars. Did you give that an F? I hope you gave that an F. You know, I, without his beard, bad. I'm not even sure we were rating cards at the time because that was in the first cycle. So well, let's retroactively give that an F. <laughs> F. That is the worst card in the game. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But Winterfell Heart Tree, then. I mean, it really pushes Bear Island, which is pretty sweet. Does Stark really care about it past that? Yep. Stark's running streets. This is better than streets. Well, it's limited, so it's not 100% better. No. And does it reduce any card or just characters? Just characters. Uh, only, just only the Martell one is all cards. Yeah, this one is just Stark characters. I don't think yeah. I'm ever running this over Street of Steel. Yeah. Um. No, but maybe over Sisters. Uh, and I run uh, Rivero, and certainly over Rivero. Yeah, certainly over Rivero most of the time. As long as you're not, for one reason or another, overburdened with other limited locations. You well, probably aren't, though. You can't, because Stark's only ever running three. So you up that to five, and you're fine. Yeah, five, I think, is my personal cutoff for limited locations. I'd probably replace the Rose Road that I run in Stark with this. Yeah, I could see that, too. I don't know if I would. Stark likes the gold for its shadows. Depends how shadows in winter heavy. Here's my thought. We have, what, six months left in 1.0, and I'm supposed to be caring about a <laughs> descriptive income card? Yeah. No. And, which is even a reprint at that. Not even a new one. But it, the picture looks like Carrot Top. No, I, think, I think we've spent does. four times as much time on this card as we need to. Let's move on. I mean, yeah. did we give it a, a hard rating? I I feel like it's a C. Maybe a C+. B. B goes in every Stark deck. It's fine. It's got weaknesses. As boring as it is, it's there. All right, sweet. All right, bring me back around to Lay Waste. Now, yep. this is one to get excited about. I mean, if you're a Stark player anyway. Uh, it is a Stark event. How Stark only response. If you win a military challenge in which you control at least one participating unique character... Choose and discard from play one location controlled by the losing opponent. Limit one per challenge. Ziff, the military challenges weren't likely to hurt enough. Uh, this just makes it even easier on attack or defense. Not hard to have unique in there, as uh, that other event has proven. What's that other event? I always forget the name. There's been too many variations of put no the quarter? sword. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So and is it like no quarter in that it doesn't have to be a Stark event or Stark character can be a unique? Correct. correct. It, I think it's exactly the same. The yes. only where they changed was location. <laughs> well, For, also discard and discard from play instead, instead of, kill. of kill. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I think th- I think this is a really solid card. But the funny thing is, I actually think it'd be better out of other houses. Oh, when yeah. Stark already has one of the best location control cards in the game in the form of. Froso, then um, <laughs> oh, yeah. now Greg picked it. it up. It's catching on. Now apparently the deep sarcasm didn't convey very well <laughs> over Skype. It, it did not. Um, into my Froyo, good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I actually think most people are going to use this, but I, I think that there are other houses that it would be utilized more in, just because Stark already has Frozen Solid. I'll take it. The fact that it doesn't care about limited. I think it's more useful in every other house. I think Stark is the single worst house for this card. But it's still a solid card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I I still I'm not gonna say I use it regularly, but condemned by the council is location control I use in multiple houses. Um, not always, but it is definitely in the you know top tier consideration when I'm looking at location control. And this is basically just a different version of condemned by the council, except it's without, stark and without the shadows limitation. Right, indeed. Matters and for Stark, it's a lot easier for you to regularly win military challenges. Yeah. So, C+. Plus? Uh, Hello? I, uh, that I, sounds about right for me, C+. Plus. I, I think I like it more than that. I think I'm willing to give it a B. Yeah, I'm with Will on this one. I think it's a little better than that. I'll okay. give it a B as well. Hey, Tommy, talk to us about a bad card. Oh, yeah, this is a fun one. I get the All best right, so card in the deck. I get the best card in the pack, haha. Sorry, go ahead. We're into we're Targ. It's a unique character, Jogo, for four cost, three strength, military, and power icons with the Dothraki and uh, Queensguard traits. Uh, limited response after you win a challenge in which Jogo and at least two other Dothraki characters participated as attackers. Discard Jogo to claim X power for your house, where X is the number of cards in your losing opponent's hand. Limit one limited response per round. Limited response, and, jeez Louise, attackers, him and two other Dothraki. And his name's Jogo. Discard Jogo. His name is Jogo. And, and you have to discard, what? It's discard a super powerful effect. Can, uh, no, well, okay, it's a super powerful effect. Like, if your opponent doesn't have a cancel ready or isn't ready somehow, this can grab you something like eight or nine power in one round, and nothing in the game does that, right? Like, that's really that's really what this is. This is the big bomb, splashy, go from 5 to 15 power in one move. Yeah. However, I'd rather win a game the normal way, if possible. Yeah, it, there, there's still so many things you have to line up properly to get that. I mean, not, it's that... not that many. You win a challenge, if you're running a Dothraki deck, you can win a challenge with him and two other Dothraki characters. I'd rather try to win with King Viz than this. This is awful. <laughs> Okay. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that condition's not hard to meet. Hey, let's forget about the text box for a second. Let's just talk about his stats. They're shitty. Okay, so he's a four for three with two icons. Yep. 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 Any keywords? Nope. 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 Uh, obviously, the Dothraki trade is a positive one. Um, That's not bad. But the existence of the draw Jogo makes this one stats. Inherently, you know, worse. Oh yeah, because that's a bicon with stealth at three cost. That can be hit with to be a dragon. Yes. Yeah. So, but you can ambush this one from the plane's back and do its effect twice in two rounds. Game over. Whoo! Yeah. Look, I'm giving it a D. I'm just fucking around. I'm giving it an F. I've yeah, never played this card so. ever. Never ever. I feel like if anyone on Earth could make this card win games, it's Greg. Probably. But is he is he really going to take that deck to, say, Gen Con? I mean, if there were 15 Gen Cons left, maybe, with one for this game, probably not. Um, You know, if you think about it, in a pure Dothraki deck, the condition of... It said two or more Dothraki or two others... Two other, uh, at least two okay, so, so you have to three have him and two others, right? So you have to have yeah, three Dothraki. That's really not refugees. that. Yeah, you know, and you know, getting someone's hand full of cards again 
uh, is not an uncommon thing in the current especially, stats to the game. So, especially since Dothraki has no intrigue. So, I, you know, look, I'm not going to go as far to- as Tommy and say I'll never play it, but I think it has more win-the-game-in-a-hurry potential than we're giving it credit for. And the truth is the whole discard itself is not really a cost. I know it feels like a cost, like, oh, my gosh, I have to discard my character. No, because if you're doing it, you're winning the game. You're not doing it if you're not <laughs> winning the game. Right. And so, so every time I, that you play against Lannister, this card is just crap because they're playing the Iron <laughs> Throne. <laughs> every yeah. time you play against Greyjoy, this card is crap because you're, they're going to have Seasick. Well, if you're so, Tarek, you have you have influence, so it doesn't matter. Maybe. Uh, not necessarily. Not really of much in Dothraki. The better, the better Dothraki decks are enough influence to have one out at all times. Well, yeah, yeah the better Dothraki decks aren't playing this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? how much power are you really going to count on getting out of him, I think, is what six, it comes down six to. Six or so. Four to I, six. Yes. Yeah, that that was what I was thinking. Six is probably the, the upper end of the regular stuff. Let's go with five for average. So you already have to have played the game long enough to gotten to get up to ten power. And over the course of those three turns or whatever, I feel like the other Jogo is going to have done far more work. Like, you're going to have hamstrung yourself playing this one just to get to that point. Oh, and your opponent is also going to sit there complacently and say, oh, this guy's on the board. Let me walk into, you know, letting you pull this off. Yeah. Dude, I gave it a D. I don't know why you're acting like I think it's good. Yeah. I, I'm just I angry know, that just... they're putting this card in a pack right now. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, Give at me least something fun. At least it's more interesting than the heart tree. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but now, I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna uh, open a game with counting favors. I'm gonna fill my opponent's hand, and then I'm gonna be running make an example. And <laughs> you have to win a challenge with three Dothraki. So let's be honest, triggering make an example is gonna be simple. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, I'm not saying that this card's a great card, I but I am saying do not be surprised if the winning melee deck is running this card. Yeah, it's actually right. a good melee card. Yeah, melee's not, yeah. Alright, can I read the good card now? Go for it. I love this card. This is my favorite card probably in the past two cycles. Um, Braided Warrior. It is a three-cost uh, Targaryen character. Two strength, military and power icons, Dothraki. Response, because obviously everything else has been below par, right? Response, after Braided Warrior comes into play, not is played, comes into play, search your deck for an attachment and pay its printed gold cost to put it into, pl- uh, to put it into play attached to a card you control, then shuffle your deck. So this guy is either played or comes into play, you grab any attachment in your game that's a positive attachment that you attach to your guys, and attach it for that for its gold cost, including out of house at cost. Yeah, or a raven if you need one. Or a raven if you need one. Um, a couple years ago, I washed out at Gen Con, intentionally playing a combo Shaga deck that was actually a Maester deck without the Maester agenda, that ran anti shadows Robert, and the whole goal was again it was another mill deck that was set up to, you know, main deck, Brass Links and Apprentice Colors, and then I used the Red Warlock out of house to go search my deck for an attachment and put it on Robert. Um, this guy makes that better. Oh, yeah, it makes it a lot better. Um, <laughs> significantly better because of how much easier, you know, it is to run this. 
the Red Warlock, I had to make it summer. And, uh, you know, this guy, I don't. So, you know. Oh, and, and he'll work for Ambush from the Plains. Yes. Actually, I believe Red Warlock did too. Red Warlock, uh, um, says when it comes into play as well. And you can pop him off t- twice with Call to Court. Yep. You know I love yeah. my Call to Court. Yeah, he just, he does a lot of work for a very reasonable cost, I think. This. I just love that he gets through the out of house stuff. Like. Yeah. This guy is both a Jamie player's wet dream and a Shaga player's wet dream. Which probably means there's some kind of sweet uh, intersection between those two that's going to be pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a crazy combo that exists with him. We just haven't found it yet. Because the card just came out. Right. So, I mean, what what kind of rating does a, does a card like this get? Well, I don't know. He works with the other Jogo, so... <laughs> Light it up. (laughs) (laughs) He works with both Drogos, just for the record. He gets you extra draw with one. That was the other Jogo I was referring to. No, no, you meant the good Jogo from this (laughs) pack. Yeah, Braden Warrior's an A card to me. I really love this guy. Uh, His only trait is Dothraki, correct? Right. Right. Oh, he's he's all but useless in challenges. But you know what I... Like, here's a good card. Harpy Scourge. Yep, yep. Pretty solid. Being able to get that on demand on a threat turn is going to win me a lot of games. <laughs> He's awesome. I'll give him a minus. Yeah. Um, mm, you still have to skew towards some attachments. I'm leaning towards like a like a B plus, but I think even outside of, um, I don't know, maybe the the Dothraki stuff that he looks like he leans toward or some funky Shaga stuff. I even think just like Knights of the Hollow Hill doesn't mind him to to go grab additional card advantage. I mean they love it anywhere they can get it, so well, grabbing a what, flame well not yeah, a flame. He can't, grab flame yeah. he can't really grab anything in the Hollow Hill decks Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. It has to to go ahead to a card that you control. I almost almost skipped over that in the Wait, is it a card or character Card. Card. Right. Oh, so I can grab an attachment for my house card or a location or a character. You got it. Uh, you know what you could grab? Sign of the Red Hand. Yep. Hello, <laughs> Sign of the Red Hand. <laughs> the Our Lannister attachment? Bag. Oh, yeah. The, the bad one. Got it, got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow, we should do podcasts more often. You know, a card I really game. like with this right now is Narrow Escape. And the notion that if they don't cancel your narrow escape, you are not only bringing back this character and hopefully any others that left play, you're also bringing in attachments as well. So, you know, it, it makes a card that allows you to reflood the board, you know, even that much stronger. That is true. I mean, I think I mostly like it because I'm a Harpy Scourge nut. But, like, expect to see Barrack again. Like, this makes getting Widow's Whale or um, Sand Snake Veil vale really easy. I also feel like there's a combo in here with Rhaegar's Harp. I don't know yeah. what the combo is yet, but Sand Snake somewhere vale. there's a really awesome combo with Rhaegar's Harp. It's Sand Snake Veil, vale, man. It's the combo. Sand Snake Veil vale with Rhaegar's Harp is nuts. Just, like, people are going to have to start playing Bastard again. I just kind of want to try and play the King Viz deck again. It doesn't play much in the way of characters, but I do like the thought of using him to get exactly the attachment I need to to protect him or whatever. Taste for blood. Yep. Jumping in tears of list mid uh mid challenge. 
Oh, yeah. I forgot that attachment existed. <laughs> I mean, there's another one that does something similar to Yeah. Well, since it doesn't care about affiliation, actually, well, what you were saying about the Viz, you can get Bodyguard, which is yeah. you yeah. need to not be discarded. That's your big thing. Right. It's a shame King's Ground is barrel only. I was talking to Greg about this earlier. What's one cost and really silly is Hand of the King. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, you could always barrel Conquest hard and then run King's Ground on your Aegon Zill. <laughs> or you can just put Hand of the King on Daenerys and be stupid. I, you can do both of those together. Sure, and you can. Yeah, you can win forever, and then you can turn Elance so that only one defender could be declared. <laughs> sure. Well, let's just give her intimidate while we're at it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great, Joel. Oh, that's sad. That was the whole reason we didn't like that card too. Yeah, exactly. All right, we ready for the next one? I mean, yeah. vaguely. I'm not reading it. I'm totally doing <laughs> this, but go ahead. Alright, here we go. We're still in Targ with Eastern Market. It's a zero-cost location. It's limited with the East Trait and Marshalling. Discard Eastern Market from play to reduce the cost of the next three Dothraki or Mercenary characters you play this phase by one each. Now, this is how you add an interesting reducer this late in the game. This, I think, is really sweet for a variation on a Targ uh, Seat of Power. Uh, I don't like that it's limited, because I don't usually want to play out that many Dothraki. What about Mercenaries? You can play all the Mercenaries. That's true. (laughs) I just feel like this card is begging for you to overextend. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. But I think uh, it just does it in a really interesting way. I don't know. If you only get two out of it, is that enough to still have been useful? I mean, then it's Probably. basically a limited C. I mean... I feel like that's enough still. I don't know. I'd rather have the negative two for one guy than negative one for two guys. Negative two for one guy seems more useful. You guys have wow. to talk. I'm still reading attachments. There's way <laughs> less discussion here than I expected. I think we're going to have to make you quit reading attachments. <laughs> Shade Honest. of the evening, dude. Shade of the evening. Hey, for the record, I, I'm although I'm not reading attachments because I'm not looking at everything. I was still thinking about the braided warriors, <laughs> and because it I missed some- part of that destruct that uh, that discussion from cleaning up vomit. Um, the one deck that clearly jumps out at me is uh, Targ Maesters that runs Horned Dragons, and. The ab- Horned Dragons just gets put on any unique character, so that ability to have Horned Dragons out so much sooner than you would normally be able to with the Copper Link to be able to steal any dude. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Well, along those lines, I'm actually going to beg out of the rest of the podcast. Um, my wife helped me clean up the rest of the vomit, and I can tell she's ready to go to bed. And I am here in our bedroom recording, so... Hey, uh, before you go to bed... Props to you for making this episode. Yeah. I'm just going to run C's and probably going to run, um, like in my Dothraki decks, I really want some influence because I like influence and I really want some gold. So I'm going to stick with those two limited locations. Yeah, I'd probably rather fight to have a little bit of influence so I can push in incinerate or something. I don't know. Incinerate like flame kissed. Absolutely. Yeah, but there's not that much of my in influence that's going to be limited. I mean, sure, one of the Great Pyramids, and yeah, I'm probably going ahead and running the Fiefdoms. Fiefdoms, yeah. 
So that puts us at four. Eh, I'm five is kind of my default for for limited, but I'd well, be running, willing. I'd be I'm, willing to push up to two and go up to six of them. I'm probably running two fiefdoms, three gold roads, or whatever. They're all gold roads to me. Two fiefdoms, three gold roads. So that's five, and then maybe one of these. I'm not willing to go up to seven. Yeah, it's just too high for me as well. Too rich for my blood. <laughs> Well, I dig it for what it's worth. I'm I'm giving it... I mean, it's still not an amazing card. It's just a reducer, and it's definitely less good than C to Power is, but I'm I'm willing to to give it a solid C. I think a D plus. Very, very specific card. We all gave different ratings, finally. Yeah, there we go. Greg was dragging dragging us down. (laughs) All right, so we're... Into neutral here, we've got Bronze Jan Royce. He is a three-cost, neutral, unique character for three strength, a military and power icon, House Aaron and Lord Traits with Renown. And the response, after a castle plot is placed in your use pile, choose and discard one power from a character. No, thank you. The ability is certainly less than I would have expected, but he is still a... Uh three for three Bicon with Renown that's neutral. I mean... At, if I at, want that... I mean, I at, want. at some point I here... I, gets rid of Quentin. I want <laughs> yep. to build a deck that just literally every character in it has Renown. <laughs> and it's probably I mean, possible. You, oh yeah, you could totally do that. I mean, it's also called um, Stupid Barra Agenda. Noble cause, Noble but cause. yeah, I don't necessarily want to have to be shoehorned into that. Because it's terrible. Yeah. I think I think there may potentially I could see for instance I know I'm moving over to melee but I could see a, a melee deck that just plays a ton of these mid rangey guys that we've got now that aren't great on their own but they all have renown and just just making that add up. I think unless you care about House Aaron, there's no way that you play this over Vargo Hote. Yeah, but I'm talking about playing him with Vargo Hote. All right, I was not talking about melee. So lol. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, he he doesn't do enough with the castle plots. I mean, the castle plots are already kind of never really feeling like they're there, and he doesn't add to that. Discarding one power from a character is about the most leg- negligible, lengthy bit of text that you could put on him. Agreed. Poop now, goes plop. If he moved one power, eh, then I'd be curious. I wouldn't, because... Castles are still bad. Eh, what if you moved one power from a house card to him? <laughs> I, then I'm giving up my plot slots for that. How, how many times can I iterate him upwards until he becomes playable? Um, you move three power? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You found yeah. the spot. But like plot slots are important, so I don't want to run bad plots. Right. Like I, One dude is never going to want to make me one run bad plots. Like If you're running all the castle tech, and we actually had good castles and good castle tech... Then we'd start talking about it. Yeah. Possibly. So, as <laughs> as is, he's what? D plus? Sounds right. Well, oh, I mean, no, I think even he's, so, I the think cost, he's, he's got to be a C. He, he's a C. Okay. He, I mean, like, I don't like him, but if he's in a deck, you don't like... He's not I, 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 I honestly think, when I see, like, a D card in a deck, I'm like, huh, you might just be a bad player. Like, <laughs> my immediate thought process. And, like, if you play him, I may... Like, huh, you thought your deck needed acceleration, and you kind of went the wrong way. It's a very different thought. 
Okay. Yeah. I can see that. All right. I'm up for whoever. Yeah. Oh, bloody man. gate. I get. Oh, no. Nope. There's a card before a bloody gate. Oh, oh, did I get something out of order? Oh, yep, I did. I see. I, I get. I get the eight-year-old who likes sucking his mom's tit. Yeah, there you go. Robert Aaron. Um, zero cost, zero strength, unique, neutral character. Since we're on neutrals. He's got a noble crest and a power icon, because power icons with zero strength are always huge. Um, response. Oh, House Aaron Lord. F- response. After a castle plot is moved to your used pile, Robert Aaron claims two power limit once per round. So they even did the limit once per round to make it so that, like, plot cycling won't work with them. Yeah. And I, and I wish the plot cycling would. Like, that would make him enough of a gamble that I would be down to try it, but... No, he's still zero strength. Uh, as a zero drop noble, there's a couple interesting things, but overall he's basically in the same boat as Daria from earlier, and that's even without there being another playable copy of him. I mean, to steal one of Dave's jokes, like you can just literally kneel an influence, play incinerate, and name a trait that doesn't exist. Uh, no, you must name a trait that exists in the game. I'm gonna name Clown Shoes, cause this guy's Clown Shoes. I mean, you can name it. I will then tell you that your event does nothing. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> for, for whatever reason, you could name Fool if you wanted, or Nord. You can, or, you can name an event that one card has that uh, is not in play. Yeah, exactly. You could name a billion uh-huh. other things, as long as it's printed on a card. Conscriptors. Yes, you could name Conscriptor. You sure? Uh. You can name Bannerman. There you go. I mean, there may actually be a couple of them floating around. There's lots of Bannerman. Yeah, that's not funny anymore, Will. Sorry. Way to kill it. There's a, there is a task for our listeners there. What is, what is the funniest existing trait that you could name for Incinerate in that situation? I'm a fan of House Brax. (laughs) Uh, that's pretty good. I hereby declare House Brax, you die. (laughs) Storyteller. Ooh, yeah. Forgot about old Nan for a minute there. House Manwoody? It's not a house. Yeah, I was about to say, who's that on? So Aaron has now burned two incinerates. <laughs> no effect. <laughs> There's only one left in the deck. You can't play an event to no effect. We all know that. Well, then what happens? You've already named something that doesn't exist. You would have to name something this else. Is, this is a conundrum. You'd have to name something else or return it to hand. Almost certain that would be the ruling. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you can you can kneel him for the uh, moon door, but but now you're playing two bad cards instead of one. Door. Yeah, <laughs> D minus right. F. <sighs> that guy. I mean, you could still maybe snipe a win out of him if you were playing castles. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm running fallen from favor is plot like four and. Or maybe three and maybe uh, maybe maybe I'll just beat you if you play this card. Yeah. All right. D minus. All right. Now you get a good card. Go. Here we go. Now we're really on the bloody gate. Neutral, unique location for two has the veil trait and marshalling. Kneel the bloody gate to reduce the cost of the next two cards with printing cost four or higher. You play this phase by two each. Uh, this has been spoiled for a long time, and I think uh, everyone is pretty well in agreement that is a massive amount of discounting. And we already know that uh, Aloof and Apart decks can get there, 
And now when you've got this to throw in to to make the Viper and his Bannerman two less or Chella and the uh I don't know, the Moon Brothers or something. I mean there there's a lot of stuff that this adds up with. Yeah, you can get silly with this. How many do you run? Two or three? Probably two. I feel like two is still the right number since it is unique. So you're telling me that barrel location is better? Because I think this is better. The Bitterbridge Encampment? Yep. Well, I said that I thought two was the right copy for it. Greg said he would go up to three, probably. Uh, just throw Greg under the bus now that he's gone. I see how it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, I I feel most of the time for strong unique locations, two is the right option. Um, not unless it's unless it's cast in gray. I agree. Yeah, not always, but most of the time. Uh, if you set this up, you're in business. Oh, yeah, God. if you set this up, I feel like you win. Like I feel like this card has to make Stark see a lot I more mean, play. Not even just set up, even like the turn you play it, as long as you have the two uh, characters to play oh, sure. uh, in your hand, like you're still up to gold. I mean, I I like, there are already people that play the, uh, oh, uh, whatchamacallit, coin mint for basically that reason, but the bloody oh. aid keeps doing it turn after turn. Well, no one plays coin mint anymore. If you're playing coin mint for that reason, yeah. that's stupid. It's only good for shadows. Yeah, but either even then it's still substandard. Either which way, at this point, like this card has to make Stark so much better. Stark has to see more play because oh, with, of this. With all the armies, oh yeah. Oh well, okay. no, you just froso this. Oh okay. It's I was all about, about using it myself. I mean, you, you might can as well use it do yourself both. and then deny it to other people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If I'm playing my Rob and my Northern Cavalry flank for four gold total. Yeah. Sure. No, 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 sir, for two gold total. Because you're running aloof and apart. <laughs> okay, yes. If I'm also running aloof at that point, two gold total. Oh, that's where this card is. This card shines. It's got to yeah. be in that deck. Because you're not running enough. I don't think I even run it in non-aloof and apart decks. I don't know. I think there are some Barra decks that, that might look at it. They're probably more likely to just include one. Uh, but still, a lot of their power characters hit that four-cost range. They're already running Seed of Power. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, if you've got three Seed of Powers and one of these, I think that's pretty solid. Okay. It's not out of the question. So, rate it? Uh, as far as this stuff goes, still just reducer, but it's pretty dang impressive. I'm willing to give it A-. minus. I'm going to give exactly. it a B plus. I'm going A minus. It's that good for that one deck. Yeah, I I agree with you about that. I just don't think that it'll necessarily see play elsewhere. Possibly in, you know, a really specific Martell and maybe in a Baratheon. Mm, Martell, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I could actually, yeah. Gas and Gray Bannerman. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking of here. Okay, I don't think I still think I'd probably not run it in that, but it's possible. Likely not, but it's a possible home. Yeah, I don't I like you. it outside of a loop myself. Fair enough. So that takes us and to last card. Last yep. card, Kings of the Mountain Vale. It's a plot four gold, three initiative, one claim. It has the castle trait 
and says, after this plot is placed in your use pile, draw one card and discard one card at random from each opponent's hand. Okay, so, A, this is my favorite castle by far, and B, Bones has the funniest use for this ever. You open with this, you have Ghost Hill Elite in play. Right. Second turn, roll by decree. They're down to four. Ghost Hill Elite gets rid of one. This gets <laughs> rid of one. They now have two cards. Okay, that's that's pretty cool, actually. As if the Ghost Hill Elite wasn't already good enough. Uh, yeah. I, I would lean towards this being, what, probably the second best out of the, the castles we've gotten? I think it's the best. I don't know. I'm still pretty high up on Fallen from Favor. But th- this is solid. The, it's they're, basically they're a two-card swing, which is pretty keep, sweet. And the I random keep, discard is awesome. I keep winning games because of opponents Fallen from Favor, so... I mean, like if, you can win I'm, games because your opponent's Valor, too. Doesn't yeah. mean I'm not probably playing it. Yeah, I just find, find that with that turn of notice, it's really easy to plan around making sure that their board is in deep shit. Or that they have to get rid of someone they'd really prefer not to. Well, then they're not not hitting you hard enough with it. <laughs> yeah, I probably uh, agree with that. I'm running it in exact in one deck, and like, and it fits there. But I don't know. Gaston terrifies me with that card. It's not every deck. I I definitely admit that, but I, I like mean, it a lot. It, but it Kings of Mountain the- Vale is not every deck either. Plot slots are pretty tight, and uh, four cost. Two card swing or four cards, sorry, I meant to say four gold. Two card swing, like it's it's pretty good, but both of those cards are random and when that slot well, I, I want the second one to be random. Well, right, the discard. But, you know, they're they're on that turn delay still. And when when I could conceivably flip something that actually nets me a card on that turn, I think most of the time, I'm still in favor of that. Well, what's netting you a card on that turn? Uh, Raven Search, uh, Maester Search are probably two of the bigger ones. We've also now got the the General Creature Search, which you know could still just be used for a Raven. Um, other things could potentially still be a, a card's worth, uh, say the City of Soldiers. Um, Heck, I've been seeing um, building season coming back around again now. What? God. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I, uh, I, called by I, I get to play these players. Even? Summoned by the Conclave. No? Summoned, sorry. Summoned by the Conclave. Summoned by the Conclave is one of the best cards in the game. One of the top ten cards in the game right now. It's pretty good. Yeah. No question in my mind. That one, that's one of the best ten best cards in the game. And almost certainly one of the top two or three that aren't restricted. Yeah. I don't know, just the, the delay, just, oh, man. I I think just kind of talking about this stuff, the the real impact of that gets kind of overlooked more than it should be. I kind of like the idea of it into rule by degree, honestly. Like, I feel like that's a really strong open against a lot of decks. Well, it's not an open. That's a really strong turn two. You're not really opening with it. Yeah. Okay, but even so, like I feel like that's still really strong. But I mean, you've already given them the chance to play out cards. I mean, 
I don't know. You you are knocking him down at that point, though probably not to to two. You since you would all have to already have the ghost tell to begin them. with, right? Um, but you've already given him that turn to go ahead and drop some stuff out there. Like it seems solid, but not. I mean, it's it's something you'd have to build around. So like, if you're planning on that being your standard open. You're, like, running Gaston Grey and Scourge and stuff like that. Like, you're running other hand destruction. Yeah. I mean, it also becomes fairly predictable if that's your standard open, too, you know? Like, if your opponent sees you open with Kings of Mountain and Veil, vale, just like you're talking about with Fallen from Favor, that gives them that turn to plan around expecting, yeah, there's a decent chance he's got Rule by Decree as his turn two plot. Yeah, but if he plays out his whole hand, then he's leaving himself open for aftermath. So, like, then turn two instead of that, you aftermath and you just shrug then. Like, aftermath and rule by decree are a very powerful combination. They are. They when are. opponents know you have each. Granted, they it's don't. certainly not terrible. No, no. I, I definitely wouldn't say it's terrible. I mean, I don't think it's an A plot, and I don't know what exact deck I would run that in, but I don't dislike it. And it's the first castle that I haven't been kind of annoyed by. <laughs> well, that's saying something. Alas, I think it probably... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it doesn't tie the rest of the ta- castles together. No. Ooh. Melee. I can't believe I'm saying that, but... Uh, yeah, each opponent. Yeah. The randomness enemies. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, nobody will like you after that, which is a bit of a bummer. No deal to be made, nothing like that. What a funny bummer. Yep, I mean, and some people do like to just, uh... I mean, if people are training turn two summoning seasons... Yeah. They go get that card, and then you discard it. Yeah, it might it might give you some fun options. I mean, it, ah, it's, it's tough to rate. I'm feeling it is maybe a, like a B- minus in the end. Yeah, card advantage is solid. C plus, I think. Yeah. Which again, I like it. I th- I don't think it's a bad plot at all. I think it's got homes. You just have, we just have to find the right homes. I think I think people find interesting things that they can do with it. I just don't know that it'll necessarily be the anchor of a tier one plot deck. So, yeah. Overall chapter pack thoughts. It's okay. It's still. I mean, it's not what I expected. Better than the last one. Pack though. Better than the last one. I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. Um, I think it was whelming. Not underwhelming, not overwhelming. It was whelming. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Yeah, la- the last pack was bad. This one maybe a little better. I mean, look, milk snakes are good. Um, all three start cards are at least playable. The gate. Um, the gate. Uh, Brathian got two playable cards. Um, Tar got a bomb card. And then there's a useful neutral. Like, it's not, there's nothing bonkers in it except maybe the Tar card. But like, there's a lot of good cards. It's just, what's not good is kind of shit. So it's making everything else seem worse. Yeah, I guess, like what Will said, it just wasn't very exciting. And for the second to last pack, you're hoping for a little more. I am whelmed. <laughs> well, there we go then. We are whelmed.
Props and slops. Well, I think the primary thing to throw out here to begin with is actually kind of an announcement, but I'm going to phrase it as props because I'm going to give props to four individuals who won our episode 400 contest uh, that we were running in conjunction with Board Game Warehouse. So they're going to get a pretty sweet deck box. So, drum roll, please. Drum, drum, drum. Okay. Well, good enough. All right. Uh, first winner, you're going to notice a, uh, a trend here, by the way. And I'd like to point out, all I did was uh, drop everybody's responses into a, an Excel spreadsheet so that ev- every entry was numbered, and then I ran them through random.org to generate four winning numbers. So, winner number one... Taylor Chadwick. Hey, Taylor. Winner number two, Tyler Thompson. Hey, good thing you asked about it, Tyler. Yeah. Winner number three, Tim Linfield. Are you noticing a system here? It's a a little odd. T names? Yes. And winner number four, uh, Matthew Hawkbon. So I don't know the last two of you, but congrats, guys. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to throw some congrats out here to everybody. Um, I have definitely chatted with Taylor several times and he's guest hosted on here in the past. Uh, likewise with Tyler, Tim and Matt have been, uh, following the show for a while now. I know Tim posts actually in response to stuff on Facebook pretty often. Uh, Matt I've seen here and there, so... Definitely uh, names that I recognize as listeners, so that's that's good. I'm glad you guys went out there, and I was pleasantly surprised how many people did actually get the final phrase that pays, which I think should surprise no one that it was Danger Zone. Was that just the end of the episode? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually put that at the very end as an Easter egg after everything else. Yeah. Nice. Yep. I missed it. I didn't listen to our own props and slops because, you know. Because <laughs> nobody does. Yeah, well, I listened to, through the episode until we got to, like, us coming on, and then I was like, eh, I know what we say. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I was there for that. Yeah. So, I want to prop Roy Rogers because it's totally his birthday when he's hearing this. So, happy birthday, Roy. Nice. I wanted to prop Nostalgia. <laughs> yes, I just propped a feeling, and the reason why is I have begun recollecting an Overpower Collection, which was my first serious collectible card game, and it has been such a fun experience recollecting those cards, and I played my first game in like 18 years with with my wife the other night. So, props to Nostalgia. It can be pretty sweet. One of these days, you're actually going to have to make good on your claim that you're going to teach me how to play Overpower. I have two decks made now, so we are closer to that claim than ever before. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you all soon. All right. See you later. All right. Bye. Um, I think that's it for me. I have no life right now. Holy cow. What happened, man? I've uh, just been busy. Grades are due again. That's basically my life for the time being. Life's been 
I mean, I've been out a bunch. Oh, I want to prop a Hard Day's Night. I totally went to see that in the movies. Oh, nice. It, and the Beatles are really, really funny, like naturally. So if you ever get a chance to see a Hard Day's Night, see it. Well, I've actually got uh, one sort of prop, that is. Um, that is mainly just the newish uh, RoboCop movie. I finally got around to watching it on Netflix, and it is, I think, not as bad as some people made it out to be. It wasn't great, but it, w- it, was, it was pretty okay. I don't regret watching it by any means. And I kind of dug how it... it didn't do a perfect job kind of extrapolating what the world would be like uh, with these advancements in technology, like, oh, I don't know, criminals that are just, like, easily found because there's CCTVs everywhere that, oh, yeah, are not closed circuit because anybody can access them from anywhere, evidently. Um, So, you know, whatever. But they did make some interesting kind of extrapolations on... uh, you know, like prosthetics and bionic limbs and stuff and show people kind of kind of dealing with therapy sessions. Like, you know, am I really still me if I've got this bionic limb and stuff that I think, you know, kind of takes issues in the current world to the next level. That sounds cool. At least. What do you yeah. think of Throne? What do you think of Throne so far? Because I'm pretty sure we're supposed to talk about that. Yeah, we probably should. So we've had two episodes down at this point. Have you seen both? I have. I'm up to date. Okay. I think the first episode was a little bit of a letdown. Maybe I just, like, expect things to start kind of really hitting the ground running now. Yeah, like, we're five seasons in. Like, the folks that are watching the show, like, know what's going on. Like, you could just hit them with with an episode and hit the ground running. But they didn't really, I thought. It was a pretty slow opening. Episode two picked up a bunch uh, the pacing was a, a lot better overall, I think, but some stuff felt a little forced. I, I thought the Jon Snow election definitely wound up feeling forced the way they had really? to do it. I liked it. Um, I liked the mad stuff. I liked the John. Like, I think the wall has been the best thing they've done. Um, I knew this was going to happen, but it doesn't make it any better. King's Landing with just Cersei is kind of torturous. It's... Yeah, it's it's going to not be great. Uh though even for just a little bit that he was in, I really dug Kevin Lannister. Uh which was nice. It's it's only going to go downhill from there. But on the upside, we're going to have a new uh Braun buddy cop uh show evidently. We're going to have the Braun and Jamie show now to follow up the Braun and Tyrion show. Um, my friend did the spoiler thing. Like, he watched the first four episodes as they were leaked. Oh, snap. I couldn't and bring myself to do that a whole month. Me neither. Without anything new. Ugh. But, like, I predicted the Braun thing and a couple other things that were about to happen. And he was like, how do you keep doing that? I was like, I don't know. He was like, does that happen in the books? No. Nope. Really. Just, I watched a lot of games. <laughs> like, I spent more time thinking about Great Game of Thrones than most people have about anything. Yeah. Oh, I'm reading The World of Ice and Fire, finally. Oh, nice, nice. I need to get back to that. I read maybe the first quarter and then wandered off, so... I am absolutely a fan so far. Um, I read all through the history section. Mm-hmm, right. And I'm currently on... Um, 
whatchamacallit, the, uh, they have like a section on each different area of Westeros, and I'm still reading the North, so I'm right at the start of that. Oh, okay. It's, so far, so good. Like, I'm really a big fan. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, and thinking about uh, the world of Ice and Fire actually, for some reason, makes me think of regionals, which, of course, regional season is going to be coming up hot and heavy soon. And I do want to kind of throw out a pre-slop to our regional event, which is Memorial Day weekend. So that's going to wind up being the main event on Saturday, May 23rd. If you're kind of thinking about it, uh, any listeners, you really should come check things out. We are planning to have a really nice send-off for Thrones first edition. Uh, Metagames, the store down here, has a good bit of first edition stock, and uh, I've been in talks with, with Carl, who's kind of our contact man there, and we haven't ironed out the details 100%, uh, but we are definitely looking at having a, uh, a bonfire and throwing first edition cards onto them. Uh, it, it will be optional whether you uh, beg the Lord of Light to protect you, um, but, you know... Should be a fun event. Sounds fun. I think that's also DC's regional. Oh, nice. Though, uh, it's either, admittedly, yeah. we're not, we're probably not crossing over too much no. with the distance between us. With the distance and, you know, because you guys are always so buddy-buddy. Um, in the meantime, New York is in two weeks. So if you'd like to come up for New York, um, we've got an awful lot of maybes and we'd like some more confirmation. So you should totally come to New York if you need a place to crash. Someone will put you up, so come to New York in two weeks, I believe, May 2nd. Yeah, that is the really nice thing, I think, about the the Thrones community. I mean, sorry, there are a lot of nice things, but if you're considering traveling, uh, there's pretty much always somebody willing to, to put folks up. And yeah. It's a hobo community up. that pretends we play cards. Yep. It's like, oh, I'm in this town. Better look, better look for the throne signs on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hobo, that's a good description. We we pretty much just hitch rides on trains and uh, drink. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, thanks uh, for listening then, guys, to uh, another pretty okay episode of Two Champs and a Chump. I just can't really say fine without Brett on here with me. You sound so sad. I hey, know. Hey, yell Danger Zone. Danger Zone! The ghost who never go